Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Right now, without any further ado, I never did understand where they come from, Shakespeare play or whatever, here is a man that has been listened to in 35 foreign countries, and we're really proud of what we've done here on Zeb at the Ranch with Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How's my friend? Great. Beautiful day out there, sunshine, crops are looking great. Yeah, really everything, good this everything year. looks good. Yeah, yeah. Um, you look good this morning, kind of dapper with a brand new golf shirt on. And and my mask. And your mask, yes. We're being uh, observant of the rules and regulatory means. Yes. 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 So, so what have you got for us today? Well, do you have anybody to thank? Yes, I do. I want to thank Ian in New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey. And he is actually from British Columbia. And, you know, last week we did a story on Barkerville, British Columbia. Oh, yeah, I remember And that. so he wrote and uh, thanked us for, for that. And he said he's been to the little town of Moose Jaw. Really? <laughs> yeah. And he said it's not that very, not that far from the other end of the moose. Wasn't there something else that took place at Moose Jaw? Uh, I don't know. He mentioned a hockey player that was from Moose Jaw. Maybe that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So, How big a town is it today? I have no idea. Oh. Didn't look. Okay. So today we're going to talk about a guy by the name of Maximilian. Now. Down in Mexico. Down in Mexico. So just a little background on this guy. Uh, Napoleon III invited this Maximilian to, Maximilian to establish a new pro-French Mexican monarchy down there in Mexico. And when he was only 22 years old, he was a member of the ruling family. He was appointed as commander-in-chief of the Austrian Navy in 1854 to 1861. Oh, he's not originally from Mexico. No, uh-uh, no. Uh, he actually was, uh, in 1859, approached by Mexican monarchists, uh, members of the Mexican nobility, uh, with a proposal to become the emperor of Mexico. So wasn't, he was not Mexican. Didn't a lot of Americans uh, go down as kind of free spirits and try to fight for him? They could they could have done, yeah. But he, uh, eventually things did not turn out good for him. Uh, he was actually executed by a firing squad, uh, and he spoke only in Spanish, but he gave each of his executioners a gold coin not to shoot him in the head so that his mother could see his face. That was the end of Maximilian. Really? So let me let's go back to a little little earlier. Okay. So somewhere in the this you know uh, lost treasure is always a kind of intriguing. Intriguing. That's yes. the word. Yes. Now you and I keep going out with those metal detectors, and all we, we find are found, Pepsi cans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we're not very successful. So. Anyway, so somewhere in the vicinity of Old Horsehead Crossing of the Pecos River. Horsehead. Crossing in the, in the Pecos River in southwest Texas. Been there. Okay, there lies a fortune to believe to be worth a million dollars. Wind and sand have obliterated all the old landmarks leading to it, but it is there. All the same. Now, at least this is the belief of many old-timers, and there seems to be enough proof to place the yarn out of the legends class and give it a pretty strong basis that it is a real So treasure. this was Maximilian's money? Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll, and I'll explain how that happens. So there's a story connected with it, of course. And it begins with the Reconstruction period following the Civil War and starts out with a group of five ex-Confederates who one spring morning found themselves seated in their saddles on the north bank of the Rio Grande, some hundreds of miles below El Paso, their leader, Bill Murdoch. Now keep that guy in mind. He's kind of our main uh, character in this story. So Bill Murdoch. Bill Murdoch. He just picked up the reins on his horse's withers and was about to enter the shallow waters of the river. And he said, quote, there she lies, boys, land of fame and fortune. And he was saying, if we're going to get away from the carpetbaggers and those darn Yankees, darn darn Yankees, and maybe help Maximilian, here's our chance. Darn Yankees. Darn Yankees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there was a, a movie about that or yeah. a, a play. <laughs> you won't even say what the play said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so his horse had already taken the first steps into this murky, dirty stream when one of his companions said, quote, hold it. Somebody's coming. By the Saints and old Jeff, it's a wagon train. And that's how they talked back then. Yeah, darn. Darn. And such it was, ten heavily loaded wagons drawn by mules and carrying with the grizzled Austrian caravan leader uh, uh, what declared to be cargoes of wool and hides. Okay, ten wagons. And uh, the the leader, the caravan leader, was Austrian, and he said it was full of wool and hides. Okay. Now, the Mexican drivers didn't speak any English, but the leader could talk with the ex-Confederates in their own tongue, and naturally the groups asked each other questions. Now, what the Austrian told Bill Murdoch and his guys was not really reassuring. He said the Emperor Maximilian, Maximilian, he said, was about to be overthrown. The Mexican Republicans under Juarez were rapidly gaining control of the country, and the Emperor's troops were deserting from him. Uh, French troops, which had been supporting him and enabling him to rule, had been withdrawn from the country. The caravan had had trouble in getting out, and the Americans would be joining a lost cause. In other words, you guys want to go down there and fight for Maximilian, you better think twice. What year that. was that again, Ken? About 1865. Wasn't there a John Wayne movie made on that where they took horses down to Max You know, I'm not sure about that. Uh, anyway, so the caravan hoped to make its way across Texas to Galveston, where the cargo would be sold for money to take the Austrian back home. Now, Murdoch speaking for his men, told the caravan leader that their prospects for getting across Texas were far from bright, the carpetbag government then ruling the state could not keep law and order, and the Indians were almost sure to attack them. Uh, They would never get through without guides and an armed escort. Now, as a result of this exchange of information, the caravan leader offered Murdoch and his friends $300 each to escort them safely to their destination. Now, that's a lot, that's a lot of money back then, oh, yeah. wasn't it? That's what would that equivalency be today? At least ten times, I'm going to guess. Eight to ten times. I see. Yeah. Uh, and their offer was accepted. Within 24 hours, the Americans were taking the caravan back over the trail that they had just traveled. And so they were headed for San Antonio. Now, but they were not far up the road when Murdoch's men got a little suspicious. Now, they doubted the word of the Austrian about the cargo. You see, the wagons were too heavily loaded to contain wool and hides. They must contain something of a little greater value. And the actions of the drivers aroused their suspicion still more. Each wagon was fully covered with bows and sheets 
I assume that means canvas, and its contents were further covered so that no one could see what was inside the wagon. Hmm. Now, moreover, the drivers stayed with their wagon by day and slept in them by night. Inquiring minds want to know. They do. A few efforts on the part of Murdoch's men to peep met with that kind of a warning from the caravan leader that you better not be poking around where you shouldn't be really poking around. Really? Yes. Well, one night the guides held a kind of a little uh, caucus, a little discussion uh, on the matter. Now, some of them were in favor of using force and maybe robbery. Murdoch uh, just stoutly opposed this and for the time succeeded in preventing his followers from doing anything bad. You know, they wanted to see what's in, in those wagons. Yeah. Well, however, Murdoch fell sick with uh, a bad, bad stomach issue. Uh, so sick that he had to stop. He could not travel further until he felt a little better. But his men wanted to keep going and the caravan leader would not consent to stopping even for a day or a half a day. So, but seeing no way of preventing it, uh, so Murdoch dropped out and watched the caravan keep heading up the trail. So he just stayed, I guess, in camp and until uh, he could get better. Well, it was the last time he ever saw any of them. For three days, he was unable to travel, and when he did start, he had to go slowly. He still wasn't feeling too good. Four days riding brought him to the wrecked caravan. He came across the wagons and everything was a big mess. There had been a battle. Evidently, the guides had attempted to rob the caravan. His, his buddies had attempted to rob the caravan, and they had succeeded. And he found the bodies of the Austrian and his drivers where they had been buried, and nearby he located the loot which they had captured. Now, some of it... They had evidently, evidently taken with them, but there was not room for all of it because we had 10 wagons, and these guys were just on horseback. There's no way they could haul a lot of stuff in their saddlebags. So uh, uh, there was a fabulous fortune. There was gold. There was jewelry, other treasures belonging to the Emperor Maximilian. Now, Murdoch made a map of the region, and he took off down the trail uh, that his companions had taken. So he started following his buddies, I guess, hoping to, you know, cash in on, on, the, on the treasure. Well, three days later, he found them too. The Comanches had ambushed them and killed every man. Their bodies remained where they had fallen. Some of the loot they had taken from the caravan lay beside them. Their horses were gone. And this is probably what the Indians had been after anyway. They, they didn't care about the gold and the silver and no. whatever treasure there was. They just, you know, the horses were what they wanted. And there were evidences that a white man was with the Indians and leading them. But for some reason, he'd kind of overlooked part of this treasure, this plunder. So... For whatever reason, they got the horses, and I don't know if they took any of the treasure at all, okay, even though they had a, a white man with them. Now, Murdoch carried the treasure that he had back to the scene of the caravan battle and buried it all together. Now, remember, he buried the first, uh, where the first caravan had been uh, attacked. So he gathered up what he could and went back to where that had happened and buried it with the other treasure. So now it's all buried in the same place. So, uh, carefully guarding his map of the place, he slowly made, slowly made his way to San Antonio. Apparently, he planned to get a wagon and team and come back for his treasure, but he never did get back. And that seems to be a common theme, Zeb, with a lot of these treasures. These guys know where it's at, but it seems like they have a hard time getting back there to, to find their treasure. Yeah. Well, 
there were fresh outbreaks of Indian troubles, homesickness, and the loss of his buddies, his companions, and these probably influenced him to decide to go back to his old home. So instead of going on to Mexico, one summer morning he set his face toward Missouri. Uh, doubtless he would return later. He just figured he knew where it was. He could go anytime he wanted. Well, on the road between Fort Worth and Denton, Texas, he camped one night with a group of strangers. Oh, boy. He asked them a few questions and accepted their invitation to eat and sleep with them. Before daylight, he was roused by a posse of hard-faced men, and by the time he was fully awake, he found himself under arrest as a member of a gang of horse thieves. (laughs) So these gentlemen that invited him to stay the night were a bunch of horse thieves. And the posse came during the night. And so he's part of it. Yeah. So it didn't do any good to protest that he did not even know these guys. Uh, he was arrested and lodged in the Denton County Jail. Oh, boy. Now, almost immediately, he again got sick. And by this time, but this time he did not recover. He did manage to get the jailer to call a doctor who told him he was going to die. He also secured the services of a lawyer who got him out of jail. But the only way he could pay these two guys was to give them the map of the treasure out in the Pecos region. Well, his money had already disappeared or been stolen by the horse thieves. And so this he did, and in his last moments told them the story of the caravan and how it was attacked. His last moments. Yeah. So he is now dead. He died from what again? Well, it doesn't really say. He just said he got sick. Oh. So who knows? Uh, you know. But anyway, the doctor... Lead poisoning. Yeah. The doctor and the lawyer, whose names are not revealed, uh, made every effort to find the treasure. Now, the lawyer secured an appointment as a federal judge in the Pecos area, and the doctor eventually moved to a nearby town. Both of them, plus their friends and descendants, hunted and hunted for the cache of treasure. Traces of the old wagon tires were found, and we are told also some remains of the wagons themselves. The map indicated that the burial was at the edge of a small pond of water fed by a spring flowing out of the side of the hill, but drifting sand had obliterated all marks. Now, you think about that description, a small pond with a spring. How many thousands of those well, would be across the desert? I, I'm looking at Hagerman. <laughs> sure. Where do you go? Right. There's a lot of springs. Yeah. Anyway, uh, for no one, and thus far, no one has ever found the treasure. Now, Maximilian, of course, was captured and, as I mentioned, shot. And his crown jewels and other treasures lie buried under some pile of sand near the Horsehead Crossing of the Pecos River. So it's not difficult to find the Horsehead Crossing, evidently. So I guess that is still a place. Uh, and I didn't look up on a map to see if I could actually find it. Yeah. But apparently it is not on a modern highway, but it is on the Pecos River. It's about 20 miles northwest of the town of Girvan. G-I-R-V-E-N. I don't know that. Uh, which is a mile or so off the main Highway 67, th- southwest of a town called McCamey. Mm. Don't know that one either. It lies at the western end of a 12-mile canyon known as Castle Canyon. Don't know that. And again, these are all probably just very small areas. Yeah. But uh, anyway, in the old days, the crossing was famous as the first watering place going west for about 90 miles. So it was a pretty famous and well-traveled spot. In fact, John Butterfield operated a stage line over the Castle Canyon route before the Civil War. In 1866, 
Charles Goodnight and Oliver Loving drove a herd of cattle over that region, right. watering their almost starved herd at this place. Uh, the trail which followed up the Pecos went on up into New Mexico from the Horsehead Crossing. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of hunters have looked for the treasure in a widely scattered area. There's rough, rocky ridges some 10 miles north and a little west of this town of McCamie, Texas. Have you been there? I've never been there. Let me tell you something. Look up the word rough in the dictionary. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there's, you know, Maximilian's treasures have literally, people have literally dug up hundreds of acres of ground. Uh, Natives of the area say that one party came all the way from Austria searching for the treasure. Uh, Some hunters have gone so far as to blast into solid rock with dynamite. Really? why Why would you dynamite if you know the guy dug it with a shovel? Well, and first of all, how did they get the permits to dynamite? Well, this has been quite a few years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Now, most of this digging has been done at the southern entrance to entrance to a place called Castle Gap, a pass in the King Mountains, which are just south of Castle Mountain. The old Chihuahua Trail leads through this pass, the same trail over which some came a lot of salt haulers from Mexico City to get salt from the lake deposits not far north of the King Mountains. Now, maybe they're, they were on a warm trail, perhaps not. If we're to believe the old yarn, the treasure lies buried in what was once a little stream flowing out of the side of a hill not far from the old Horsehead Crossing, maybe someday somebody will say, hey, I got it, I found it. But I think if they do, it's going to be just by accident. It's going to be by accident. And, you know, that's just one. You don't know for sure if it's there someplace. Exactly. Yeah. And as I've talked before about lost treasure, uh, whether it's uh, from a stagecoach holdup or whatever. Well, yeah. You know, people, if they find it, are they really going to come forth and say, hey, I've got this uh, treasure from a Wells Fargo uh, a bank robbery or stage robbery? Well, Wells Fargo's going to be saying, okay, well, that's our money. Yeah, and then didn't you also have a story, this has been a couple of years ago, about a botched, uh, either a stage holdup or a bank holdup, that they went up into the city of Brocks and they're still looking for the money up right. there? Yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, and there again, that's one of those, was it? found and nobody said anything anything or and you've been up to the city of rocks there's a lot of uh open ground up there so you know that's one of the uh mysteries of casia county really yeah really where now they did find two saddlebags with gold in it in i think 1972 and but that was from a different uh bank or well uh stage robbery really and it had been buried up there and it was found i think it was in 1972 or 73 well whether it's the lost dutchman gold mine in arizona whether it's the Maximilian Gold, or in, the Blue Bucket Mine, that or I talked the Blue about. Bucket, or the uh, botched holdup up here in the South Hills, up by the City of Rocks, yep. that keeps you busy. <laughs> <It does>. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, so that's the story of Maximilian's Gold. You know, I'm I cannot remember callers. I tell you what, let's ask our callers. What was the name of the John Wayne movie where they took all these uh, literally about a thousand or two thousand head of horses down to Maximilian in Mexico and some of the guys with John Wayne were arrested and they were sentenced to death at a firing spot. I can't remember the name of the movie. And uh, one of my favorite actors that was a former Cowboy champion Ben Johnson was one of the stars of that movie oh, okay. and I can't remember the name of the movie. Yeah. Anyway, that was good. 
Well, it's it's fun to think about stuff like this. And uh... hold on, I got the answer. Okay, here's the caller. Good morning. You're on the air. Well, I could be wrong, but uh, Rock Hudson was in it. The undefeated. I think it was the undefeated. And tell me quickly, wasn't that the story about furnishing horses to Maximilian in Mexico? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Hey, Randy, appreciate it. The undefeated. That's right. I could not think of it. Uh, what do you got for us next week? Uh, that's a good question. I might go back up into Canada. Oh my! I might see what I can find because I, some of our Canadian listeners have been curious about. Stories up in Canada. You're kind of running across the border a I'm lot. I'm trying to, yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. History, thank you, you very bet. much. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.